All right, welcome back to Classroom Brew. This is episode 130-something. We're up there in the numbers, I guess. <laughs> uh, crazy to think. And so for this episode, we've actually got a collaboration going on right now with... Uh, if there was a sister podcast of Classroom Brew, this would 100% be it. Uh, so this is Teachers Who Drink and Why. Uh, so I want you guys to all meet Anne and Mary. So how are you guys doing? We're great. How are you? I mean, you know, we just got done with your podcast talking about the COVID thing. So, you know, I'm feeling, feeling good. Got Mary's tired. I know Mary's feeling the tiredness. Well, <laughs> it's 9.30 our time. I feel bad. So I'm I am, ready for bed, guys. I'm an early to bed kind of person. <laughs> always have been. People are always like, oh, are you a morning or a night person? I am neither one. I am an afternoon person. I like right. the afternoon. <laughs> right. It's like the Goldilocks I, time. Yes. Yeah. And I have I have taken many like a weekend trip for various reasons, like various different like girls weekends, whatever, hangouts, New Year's with Mary and she is like, I'd say at 10 PM, you're a 10 PM preference person. Maybe, yeah, that's maybe. Late. A- and that's yeah. late. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. like that's late. So for me to on say New years on new years at like 1202, you were like, guys, I'm going to bed. I'm like, that's it, man. That's my cue. Like it makes me feel more secure knowing <laughs> that somebody else went before me. You're the trailblazer. You know what? I carry no shame in this game. I have always been this way. My mom teases saying, oh, we'd be, you know, at a family party or something and we'd be there for about an hour and you'd ask when we're going home. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime your mom's getting involved saying like, man, you got to stay up later. That's, that's a bad sign. Right? <laughs> <laughs> My mom, I think a lot of it was too, it's like, I'm a social person, but I do also yeah. uh, really like my house. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, the like, best, really the like best the text I can get is, can we just like postpone our plans? Like, can we get a rain check? That's the best news that I could ever get. Ever. It is. That was not what I felt in high school, though. I felt like, oh my God, my can't, my plans were canceled. Why would they it do was, that? But Mary, that wasn't, that was me. Like, I felt that way all through up until probably my age 30. So like, I was, I was like, oh man. If like, like for instance, if I was living in the COVID 10 years ago, I would be like devastated right now. Right now, I'm like, yes, everything got canceled. Yes. It's <laughs> more time yes. than that. That's all it is. Well, I still like like to be out and about and doing things, but I definitely, I mean, I think handsome producer Chris, that's what we call him on our show, my my husband, <laughs> uh, he's our producer. So um, he he would can attest to the fact that I do like to come home. There's times too where I've left him at a bar I'm like, leaving. <laughs> I remember we went out, we did a double date one time, Johnny B and Annie B and Mary B and Chris and bartender producer Chris. And we went to, uh, some places in Indy. And I actually said to, uh, my hubs before the day started, I said, I feel like I'm going to want to go home earlier than everybody else. And then like, it was like almost like a nervousness to say who was ready to go home earlier when we were out together and we were only out for like four hours, but we were like, yep, time to go. Time to bust it back home gang. I I love it. it. So how long you guys have been doing the podcast now for like almost you guys are in the first year, right? But close to the, that's no, we are over a year. Okay. Fantastic. That's like the best. We started in January of 2019. Okay. That was when we started airing, but we did start, we started recording these babies. Like we stocked up and recorded a bunch uh, Mm -hmm. from like September of, 2019 20, 20, 2018 mary 2019 oh, wow. yeah no, like the, we started in november of 2018 recording episodes. Yeah. um that was when i was transitioning out of teaching um and i didn't want any of them to air 
until after I was done teaching, just because um, I, I think a lot of teachers, I, I don't know if it's, a, it's the same across states, but um, a lot of teachers feel that there's going to be some kind of reprimand oh, yeah. um, if you speak freely like this. So that's, that's kind of what I was, I didn't want to lose my job. I have never been fired from anything a day in my life. So I, the, the fear of that is enough that I was like, I don't want to deter you my, yeah. Yeah, to deter me from doing that. So, um, I had shared with my principal at the time when I did resign that I was going to do a podcast and I wanted to devote more time. And I, I did tell her, I was like, I want to be able to say what I want to say. And I don't want to have to worry about any of my students' parents coming back to me saying, you said blah, blah, blah. And, um, and not that I've, I've never shared what district I teach it, I taught in or anything like that. I've taught in a couple districts around Indianapolis. That, that's as basic, that's as like direct as I get about it. Um, but in general, like some people know I do the podcast. Like they know me personally and they know I do the podcast. So like word can still get around where, oh, that's her podcast. You know, that's my, that's my teacher or whatever. So, um, yeah, no, it's, I just it's Indianapolis, be... right? So there's like 500 people. Yeah, so we all know. <laughs> there is more than that. It's a big city, but it's the it is... 13th largest city in the country. Okay, people don't realize this. Right? So if, if people haven't checked out the show, you guys have a fantastic dynamic. But how did you two like? Did you guys meet when you were both teaching? Did you just know each other beforehand? Like, because you guys seriously, this is like, actually a good play story. Play off each other so well. No, it's a great story. We actually met and befriend each other like in the little pocket of Broderfall, which is a great little area where if you live around there, people are always out. But I was actually just about to move to Vegas. I was like probably like four weeks out from moving to Vegas. It was like early June, second week of June, second week of summer. And I- Eight married, years ago, something like that? Eight, year, eight years, well, seven years ago. Yeah, seven yeah. years ago in 2013. And I had like, befriended Mary because it was just like, it was this pocket where you just constantly like somebody, uh, who's been, you know, hanging in the same group, you meet each other and you know, you're going to see each other constantly. So you're just like, Hey, you interact. Mary took me home one night and she, and it was like probably three or four days after I had decided I was going to get out of the Midwest. I was going to move to Vegas and I meet this girl and I go home and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I met the coolest person tonight. And I actually talked about it. And then like, talked a few more times, but it was kind of a weird pocket in my life where I knew I was going to be moving. So making new friends wasn't really like my main MO. Sure. It's like a weird it was, time frame. You know, it was like a, yeah, it's like weird because you, you, I just love people inherently, but I, it was also like, uh, I got a lot of things going on right now and then move away, come back home. And then we sort of established this like stronger friendship, see each other more frequently and then like find each other interested in the same kinds of things. And then we started talking about education as a platform itself. And we both realized we were having the same moments. We were having the same interactions with our peers. We were having the same interactions with students, even though we were in different districts or we'd had different experiences with different uh, types of demographics. But at, at the end of the day, we were both like, okay, I feel like we could talk about this because I think there's enough people that would be willing to listen to us. And that yeah. was kind of how we got so, going. So, Anne, I have to jump on because you know we met each other. We technically met each other not in Broderbull. Where did so we meet? We, we were... Oh, yeah, volleyball. We, we were volleyball. We were really? middle school volleyball coaches who coached against each other several times. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah. Like, now, what's the record? Like, who has more volleyball wins so with their squad? So we don't really know going back, but I know I definitely have. I definitely have a county championship under my belt. I don't know. Ooh, about you, okay. So <laughs> and little shade, little team, shade. So and my team played your team like twice for the county championship, and um, because so Anne, where she taught was definitely like the bigger <laughs> school, more money going into that one, and uh, fancier. Fancier. Sure, sure. So, um, hey, I see both sides. I see both sides for sure as a small school (laughs) ourselves. You know what, Mary? Nothing can uh, substitute grit. Nothing can substitute. Oh, sure, (laughs) sure. You had grit. It's a good thing we're doing our our social distancing episode for this one. Okay. We coached against each other. That's how we met. But I'm going to call this out too because now, ever since you've brought this up like years ago that you've said this, I do have to say, you had a haircut back then that was memorable. Oh no! Like after oh, my short haircut, the stacked haircut. <laughs> yeah, the short stacked haircut. I had a short stacked do that was like puffed kind up in the back like, a little bit, kind oh. of like a kind of like a Kate plus eight, but not Kate plus eight. But it was uh, it was not oh, a Kate no. Goslin. It's not a fucking Karen. <laughs> oh my god! A Karen like let me talk to the manager. Karen no, type of haircut is that? I, oh no! no. Karen, it wasn't. It wasn't. But I have to use that as a reference because that's right. like that's a close. Like if you're a visual learner, that's something to reference. The bob. It was a stacked bob. Okay. And you know what? I liked that haircut. So I might Mayor, go back to it. I didn't even know you when you had it. I'm just using a frame of reference that the moment you told me you coached for X team, particular team, I was like, oh, I remember. It was a memorable haircut, okay? Right, across from the court for our visual podcast listeners. (laughs) I like that you're like not saying that it was a good haircut. I think it's a great haircut. Great haircut. I kept it for a while. I, I'm lucky I can abstain because I never Dude, saw the haircut. I'm, I'm sure it was great. Look at, yeah. yeah, exactly, Ryan. You get it. I'm not coming down. And you look at my hair right now. And I even said before this, I said, this is the most gussied up I've gotten in 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, when we first met, that was like the connection I made. Because I was like, you look so familiar to me. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, we've yeah. got each other several times. So yeah. I guess as, as you guys are entering in, you're almost in like the two-year marker pretty soon. You guys, I'm assuming, have a similar – because when I get people that interact with the show, they, from far and wide, they have different reasons they love it. They like the heavy moments. They like the comedic moments. They like the part where it's like me just riffing, the part where I'm going into a specific topic and I have something predetermined that I want to go into. What's, for the most part, the people that listen to Teachers Who Drink and Why, are they people that are in the profession and hoping that they can get something from you? Are they people that want to know and empathize more and have an outside perspective? Is it all, all of those? Or like, what do you guys notice for your listenership? I, I honestly think it's both of those. I think the most that I've been touched with with our listeners was people just reaching out and saying, oh my gosh, finally a podcast that's staying like it is. When I right, right. Um, when I came up with the idea to do this podcast, because I had tossed around a couple of other ideas in my head, I had thought about like, oh, maybe I'll, sorry, maybe I'll do a blog or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then I realized nobody pays attention to blogs anymore. <laughs> Um, so I was they like, that, and that's to, they like, pay attention to like podcasts at all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe, um, I listen to podcasts. So I was like, okay, so yeah. like, let's do a podcast. I also think too, that was just more so that gives off our personalities a little bit more. Um, but when I was first looking into it, there were literally any, when I researched the podcasts that were out there, there were literally no podcasts that were doing like kind of what we were doing mm-hmm. more so like there are a lot that are like elementary level of like, oh, here are the great things you can do in your classroom, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And that's like not us. Intro it music with bells and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just like, that's, 
That's not us. It, and I, I'm not I, to be honest, it was a, it was a lot of people that were like shining the it is the holy grail of professions attitude on it. And we were slowly becoming those people that were like, we really loved it. And we don't know what to do with these emotions. And that was kind of us. Sure. That was where we were. We didn't right. really know what to do with our feelings. So we found a creative way to outlet that. Right. That Not like anti-teaching, too. but like it's showing the real shit. Like, yeah. Do you guys, do you guys, do you guys swear on your podcast? Do you bleep it? Do you cut it out entirely? Like, I, Oh, oh okay, yeah. Good. Good, I might. I, was, have I, was just I, on swear, it. I already swore on yours, so. Oh, mine's yeah. explicit. I don't know if your guys is explicit, but yeah, yeah we're explicit. explicit. Okay, good. We're, I we're might have told territory. a certain Betsy DeVos to, you know, do something involving the F word previous <laughs> in episodes last summer, and I mean it's no big deal. It's out there in the rest of the universe with the yeah. rest of the world. So. Right. Most yeah, people don't so, even know who she is, so, except for teachers, anyway. So we're. I think we're good. Yeah. 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 So my point was to I did not like I left teaching more so for like my own mental and physical Mm -hmm. health. Um, not because I didn't want to help kids anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was it too. Like I, I was so surprised and didn't know what to do with the fact that I was burnt out in a profession that I started that I loved for so many loved. And to say too, that like, I don't love education and I don't want to support teachers. My, our podcast like is to support teachers. I want teachers to know we feel you, man. Like, this is well, this and that's and I think that's what we get, Mary, is more so is the person that says, I have been sitting here since October considering what to do with my next steps, and I don't know what to do, but it makes me feel good knowing that I've got two people who are talking about the same feelings that I've had. And that's kind of really we we didn't intend, honestly, if I sat here and said, Did we have an exact objective of like our goal is to? Mm. It was one thing, and I think it's slowly become another. Um, oh, yeah, and absolutely. I think I have stated my goal, and it is to be on Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> well, and we know that. <laughs> That's a few that years there. down the line. That's holding up, we're holding up for Ellen. Ellen, so, can you hear me? And so, Mary, I know that you've left the profession, and you're you're still in education, just not in the classroom as like the primary teacher. And are yeah. you still? Because you mentioned you also do medical stuff as well. Well, so I, I'm doing like a couple part-time gigs because Mm -hmm. I feel like that, I feel, I felt like I just wanted to find something that was going to go back to the fulfillment I felt in my first couple years teaching, which was, I felt like I was educating. I felt like I was doing good. I felt like I was helping families. I felt like I was giving a like step up to kids who might, you know, have other, at times might not have otherwise felt included and things like that. And so I felt like I, I felt like I became so bombarded with all the other stuff on our plates as teachers in the last few years that I lost that. I felt like I didn't have that. So I, after having my son, I uh, looked into what it required to become a birth doula. So I do that for a local hospital network, um, which right now is kind of crazy in the midst of the COVID because I'm like technically the birth support person that's like in a lot of states not being allowed into their facilities, but but in Indiana you still are. So it's a total thing now. Um, and then I'm also teaching adults how to pass their, uh, high school equivalency diploma exams, which is okay. really cool because yeah. like I, and that I totally fell into by accident. It was like one of those where I Googled last spring, uh, like last April I was sitting there and I'm like, I don't know, man, I just don't know. Like, let me at least explore other options. And I found this gig and it was like, you know, we'll play, we'll pay X amount of dollars because they are grant funded. So it worked out to where it was a decent enough pay combined with if I could not 
have to pay for childcare in the way that we work the hours with it. So yeah, it worked absolutely. out. Yeah. So and, and was it like a six to 12 month process then for that whole start to finish um, thinking about leaving and actually exiting? Well, it was exiting. probably about, for me, it was probably about three to six months from the okay. time I first applied to the time I started my next job. Um, but like, you know, the thing too that gets me is, is that we live in a, a society where childcare is literally the reason if, if people aren't, ch- aren't talking after this about the cost of childcare, I will be amazed because oh, yeah. daycares are literally staying open for the sole purpose of families who are needing to go to work in the midst of a crisis so they don't have to file up for unemployment to have childcare. And, and so yeah. I think that's, I don't, I'm, I'm a big like platform person and I don't know where I'm going to go next with my platforms, but I feel like that's on the precipice. Yeah, but relatively, <laughs> Mary's about like, it, Mary's start like, to oh God, she's adding another one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think we both could get on, I'd get on a big soapbox of of whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, our podcast is mainly like, I just want teachers to know we feel you and we're here to support you. Yeah, yeah. And I and I always want people to reach out and know that we're we're listening. And if we can find ways to help you, we are going to. Um, yeah. I mean, we've done that for several of our listeners already who have reached out to us via email or Facebook of just trying to be like, hey, have you tried this? And just sending stuff back to them. And yeah. then we've had listeners who then send us stuff of like, hey, tell this listener this. Globally, right? Like people all yeah. over the world. Um, we- so that's mainly been within the States. We still, we've had okay. listeners all over. We, we like did a collaboration with a teacher who is in Shanghai. Um, like kind of like, was that like last summer? I think. Almost yeah, it was. It was almost um, a year ago. Yeah. So, so just stuff like that. What I, yeah, we have listeners that are globally, but I'd say most of the people, like I think in the States, a lot of people think like, I think at first we both thought similarly of like, is this just a problem in Indiana? You know, <laughs> right. is this like, is this a concern only in Indiana? Well, as we do the podcast, and we learn all that. I think other teachers are realizing like, Oh my God, it's not just in Arkansas. This is yeah. also in Indiana. Right. It's well, it's in Illinois. It's happening everywhere. It's a universal and language like, of teachers, and it doesn't matter where you are. It's yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And like I felt for you, like when we were talking in uh, the other episode where we were collaborating um, with you, Ryan, where you said like I haven't gotten a lot of direction. Like I'm not really getting a whole lot. I get that because in a ginormous district, I remember being like haven't gotten any direction on such and such. Like everybody else in the district is buzzing about blah, 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 blah. And we have not been told Jack and it just, everything about teaching is it's, is such a universal experience. Like some places are going to be different than others. Like some places have been given huge amounts of direction, but there are going to be people that identify with that kind of statement. When you make the comment and say, yeah, I'm really figuring it out as I go. <laughs> yeah, and there's almost comfort in that, but also a little bit of chaos. You know? Yeah, yeah. At the same time, simultaneously. And it, and I feel like I'm just kind of surprised by it because I I know that the school district that I left is a little bit more organized than that and has had some direction. I've already seen videos of the superintendent yeah. that, that that she has sent out. Um, you know, like a for the students and for the teachers. Right. So I find it interesting that there's people that aren't doing that. Um, and, and I get it well, too. Are we necessarily going to count all this? Do we want all this pressure on the kids and on the parents, like figure this all out from home? Not necessarily, but I no. still like if kids want this information and want to be reached, then I would like to figure out a way to reach them. Right. And on the side, well, I'm selfishly thinking like Mary must have known something to get out of the profession when she did. She knew about COVID. 
happen. There's something yeah, going But on. ahead of time. <laughs> okay. But let me also say this, like that same comment, and, and this is the truth of it. I reside on the notion that like certain things we as teachers, more so than our bosses, more so than the people in government, know in our gut. And when we are teachers who, let's say two, three years ago, and I was in districts that were saying, let's roll out Canvas, everybody's going to use Canvas. And all the teachers are saying, hold on, not every one of our students has a device. We don't have enough devices in the building for everybody to even utilize it if every single teacher wanted to use it. These are the stopping marks, like these are the pitfalls. And those districts, I know, just on record, they did not listen to their teachers and get those kinks fixed. Right. They are now the same districts that are kicking themselves saying, oh my God, we didn't listen to them. We, they said we can't ever roll out e-learning unless we have X, Y, and Z in place. And they really are kicking themselves at this time. And I, I think this is a, I want to, I don't like want to utilize the word revolution too much, but I do think this is a revolution in the appreciation of the modern day teacher. Oh, I hope so. I mean, we, we talked earlier when we were doing your guys' podcast, how it's like, there's so many memes out there. I don't know if it's going to, I hope it transfers over, but so far it seems like it's more so like the joking end or like internet sensation end. But do you guys think it'll actually transfer over into reality, whether it's through referendums or legislate, whatever it may be? Do you think it has to be a legislation um, that changes things and, and makes them move? I think one thing that I've noticed on social media is a lot of parents out there just recognizing yeah. like, oh, we need to pay our teachers more. Then again, like I will say, accept the referendums. Like right. do not turn them down because here's what I continue. And this is going to be a soapbox for me because I want everyone to know any taxpayer out there, whether you have kids or not, the effort, the amount of time, effort, research and planning that has gone into the school district, even proposing that referendum to get it on the ballot that has taken painstakingly amount of time. And so they have thought it through. They have looked at it from all these different angles and to sit there and just turn it down because, oh, it doesn't benefit me. And right. you got to look at the bigger picture. And that frustrates me to my core because I have sat in a classroom with 34 fucking students and I have had a person who I know turned down the referendum because they were right. on the school yep. and say, oh, but is it really just one more kid. Like, is it really that big of a deal? And I was like, actually it is. And I was able to list like all these reasons, like actually it isn't. Here's why I had 34 students without an extra assistant. They're 10. How am I doing that? How does that yeah. even work? Right. You know, I mean, I mean it did. I, it, it wasn't, I don't feel like it was a great school year. Did I feel successful? Well, Not really. You know, I mean, and just so, they turned down building new schools. So then they packed these kids in like sardines into our school district. Cause I was in, um, the fastest growing school district in Indiana. Um, and it was that level for years. And it was just growth, 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 growth so fast. And, and these, these parents are these, not even necessarily parents, but people turning down this referendum and, and just the harm that it did to the students. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, and to add yeah. to that, uh, with what Mary's saying about the referendums, and I, I said this before the economy actually affected my own household. And now like, I kind of am like, okay, I, I'm not, I don't want to be as arrogant and as egocentric to just like focus on how the economy has affected me. But I do think that there is going to be a, cons a constituent of teachers that right now have more time on their hands than they've ever had. Mm -hmm. I don't think teachers have ever had the luxury of this 
spring pocket of time to polish resumes and say, maybe all these three or four years where I've been really struggling and I've been floundering and I've been like drowning, no one's thrown me a life raft. Maybe I will exit the profession. I think that, I think there's going to be a weird constituent that decides to shift out of this teaching era, even though jobs are kind of like weird and all over the place. I just have this gut feeling that this is the one time teachers have more hand, more time on their hands than they've had. Right. And they're going to well, make an exit. And especially because it, it, your exit from the classroom per se, even if you're still in education, it could be anywhere. Like your decision was within a three to six month period versus. Yeah. So like Mary, when you were thinking about transitioning out of the classroom as a teacher, how long was your transition process oh. or your thought process? So I actually would say it was years. Um, okay. I would say, um, so I left in November of 2018 and I would say it's probably a couple of years before that, that I started feeling the inkling of like, Oh, like this is really wearing on me more than I had anticipated. And like, um, really, when you talk, when you talk about like you verbalizing, like you Mary being like, so I'm doing this or I'm doing that. It was like start of that school year, like heavily. So that oh, was five, five or so six months back. It was from like then. the first year in 2018 of August, 2018. It was, yeah. it was the first time that the summer break wasn't long enough. Um, you know, like it wasn't a long enough reset for me. It, it, it just wasn't. And that just wasn't. And that was, and I, I'm not a crier. I'm not a super emotional person. Um, but I literally broke down in tears at the dinner table with, with my husband. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm so upset because I feel like my hands are tied. I wasn't teaching anymore. That was really the problem was I was dealing with so many yep. behavior issues, having stools yep. thrown at me every day. People like students trying to stab me with a pencil or other kids, like kids who are just leaving the classroom and I'm just following them around the building. Like that's Agreed. not, that's not what I wanted to do. That's not right. what I signed up for. And schools aren't equipped to help those kids. So then it was someone like me who was a special education teacher who was just following them around, which that wasn't what special education was when I first entered into it. Um, this meeting's upgrade. Oh, Oh, uh, Oh, that's nice. Um, so we still anyway, have your bedtime though. We won't go too far. <laughs> we have bedtime, but anyway, um, but yeah, so it was just such an eye-opener. I And I talked about this on our podcast just when the day I decided officially to leave teaching was the first day I ever cried on the job. Uh, I never, I'm, like I said, I'm not an emotional person. Many people that know me would say, I like people who've known me since I was five years old can probably sit there and say they have never seen me cry. And um, so for me to cry at work is a huge deal. I had a day where I had a student who was hitting me trying to stab me with pencils and my assistant and it was going on for hours and I was calling for help. No one came, no help came, no support came. So finally I got a minute and I broke away and I was like, okay, I left my assistant with him when I was like, not really comfortable with that because I felt like he's going to continue to hit her. Right. That's not okay. And I went to get administration. I was like, someone needs to come and help. And my administration said to me, Mary, what I'm hearing right now is you're frustrated. And just because you're frustrated doesn't mean we send kids home. So my response was, hey, I was like trying to choke back tears that moment because I was like, that is such a lack of support right now. Yeah. Um, and I realized that I was frustrated, but it was also like I was literally getting physically injured on the job. And you're telling me that me being injured on the job and my assistant being injured on the job doesn't matter. And right. you're saying that. It, it just doesn't matter. And I then said to her, I said, you know what? I said, I came here to do a job. And I said, right now, 
I have, I go, it's almost September and I've taught zero groups of mine. I have not gotten to right. any academics because I'm dealing with all these behaviors because I'm not getting the support and help I need in order to get to those kids. So you're saying yeah. too, since I was a special education teacher, we're in violation of 30 IEPs because I'm dealing with this one kid who's beating me up and beating up my assistant yeah. because you're refusing to come and help me or even demand the resources that we need from higher up to then come in and help with this kid. Right. And I was just so frustrated. And, and just to, the fact too, to feel that you don't matter. Right. And I think that, that, well, was, the and that was delivered to me with, was that I don't matter was that my assistant didn't matter when I kept telling my assistant, I was like, don't engage with that. Like, don't engage with him on that. Like if he is hitting you, like, like I, I, I literally told her to shut the door and be on the outside of the door. Cause we yeah. created kind of a safe, mm -hmm. safe room, which I honestly hated the feeling of that, but I also didn't want her to be in. Right. Well, and Ryan, I think as a friend and bystander to this, cause I, I mean, I was like, I was, I was really there. I was privy for all of this, Mary. Like I was there as your friend and like, we were spending time together, hanging out. Like even if we were at the gym and like something happened the day before you were mentioning it, you know, and you were more or less venting, but at the same time, it was really hard to be a general ed classroom teacher and know, I know in my, I knew, and I've always known in my gut that like special education teachers take it just like that. My, my, my brother and my dad are both special educate. My dad was, and he's retired. My brother is now a counselor, but he was a special education teacher. So I knew all of this was inherently part of the K-12 experience of a lot of different teachers in different forums. And so hearing Mary talk about that was so heartbreaking for me sure. that we reached a point where we were just like, okay, we, we got to talk, talk about, about some it. of this stuff. <laughs> and if we do, people are going to be like, yep, I yeah, get that. I can't continue. And people are like, oh, it's just because you were a special education teacher. And I was like, it really wasn't. As a no. general ed teacher, at one and point- that, And I that was why I think, I think my, like, us duoing that conversation was so key, Mary, because it was like well, that. I was a general ed teacher for the first half of my career. I didn't even have special oh, ed on okay. my license. I went back to school to have that added to my license because I did so much enjoy the special ed kids that were in my general ed classroom. So, but I had a kid, um, you know, as a general ed teacher, I had a kid who was literally threatening the lives of students in my classroom as a general ed teacher, where I had to evacuate my classroom several times because this yep. kid is throwing metal chairs, books. Right. I mean, he tore the shit out of my classroom. And, 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 and too, that's the thing too that really got me is like, I'm buying all that stuff. So yeah. when parents come in like, oh, like the school replaces, I'm like, no, the school never even had that. Like that was my shit. Like that's mm -hmm. my stuff that I spent a lot of money on. And that's something too that I think people don't even realize teachers are spending their money on that and it's getting destroyed. Mm -hmm. And and so then you don't feel it's worth it to put that money in anymore because it's being right. totally tossed out by the students. Um, but this student was honestly such a danger. One day I was gone for a funeral. Like I was out for a funeral and I got a call from my partner teacher saying there was a stabbing. Oh, what oh my God. I said, what wow. are you talking about? And so this kid who was throwing the metal chairs and all this stuff stabbed another kid with his spork which is like the plastic thing at lunch that's supposed forky. to be safe. He stabbed with Forky. He I found mean, a way. Oh my God. He <laughs> stabbed another kid trying to get his eye, but got him right here. I mean, almost, almost took another kid's eye out. And I'm telling you, like, this kid had fork marks on his face for weeks. <sighs> and, and I was wow. just like, hey, what do you say to that other parent? 
Right. What did right. her kid do? Well, and they go to you. They don't go to the admin. They go to you as the first line. Even you weren't even in the building. I wasn't and even. And they there. go to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And and, and that's like, and that's really like I would say that is the stress that's facing the collective of the job is like yeah. we're fielding the questions that have so little to do with what we actually encountered on again any given day. It's either right. the student themselves. The parent knows that their child has special needs that go beyond the the spatial limits of what a school is providing. And a lot of the schools aren't providing enough. Like, let's be honest, a lot of admin are stretched too thin and they're not providing the, the support they can or, or need to. It's just a mess. It's a mess. So, at what so, that's, point, so that's where we come from, man. So I would say, <laughs> at what point do you, because you guys are both kind of like half a foot out or a foot out. Uh, at what point do you feel comfortable? So like, I know I had a level of anonymity. Uh, you guys said you mentioned that you were kind of yeah. toying with that in the beginning, but at what point do you get, cause like I've, I've been punched in the face, breaking up a fight before in my classroom. Like there was blood oh, yeah. on the floor from getting a kid getting punched in the nose. I got hit by a stray hook and I talked about it on like the very next episode where I was like, Hey, here's what fucking happened. I don't give a shit. I had no backlash. I'm not worried about it. Like good luck trying to replace me or whatever. At what point did you guys feel comfortable truly going into that stuff? Like, was it, like Mary, you mentioned that you told your admin, hey, I want to transition out because here's what I want to do. I want to talk about it without any backlash. Did you guys yeah. both have that same intent? No, like, I didn't. I, I just kept rolling with episodes being released and I was still in K-12. And I didn't even know that we'd have that many listeners, <laughs> to be honest. I you got to give I yourself more credit. I didn't really know like by... If, if I was going to make an exit or if I was going to decide to jump ship by, you know, summer of last year, I didn't know that we would have people in other states listening to us. So I had no idea of what context we would even, I, I literally thought of like podcasts and I thought, okay, well, you can either be the crime junkie that everybody talks about <laughs> being like famous, right. or you can be like the person that has five listeners and that's it, you know? And so I kind of thought, well, for a while, we'll probably be the five listener people, but we kind of weren't there pretty quickly. And that, I just kind of like wrote it into the summertime and now I've been doing this and, and I've just been very relaxed and chill because I interact with so few people in what I do now. Like I don't have yeah. 90 constituents and 90 parents. I have seven people at a time over the course of like a two month period. Yeah. Like, and I would honestly, say I definitely probably jumped in faster than Ann did just because I yeah. had left, I had left my job. Right. Um, I left in the middle of the school year, which is not precedented. I've never been a quitter. That's not, not my thing, but I definitely felt like that was something that I needed to do for my own mental well-being and just for the well-being of my family. Um, because I was coming home and not able to really interact. You know, I mean, I was just not feeling like I could be a part of everything that's happening here other than like sitting on the couch and watching TV and it had to be something funny. It couldn't be like a drama. It couldn't yeah. it had to be like a stupid, funny show. Um, I'd say after I left teaching, I binge watched um, Shit's Creek and it was amazing. So great show. Um, great show. But just like, like you needed that. Oh, kind of David. Yeah. Like of just something <laughs> like that. And I needed it for months. Um, yeah. So I would say I really jumped in just because it was right away. I mean, I had already 
when I finally put in my official two weeks notice, I had already talked to my boss that I was definitely not coming back after winter break, no matter what. But I had told her like, Hey, I am looking for other jobs. Like I'm going to leave teaching. And, and she was like, Oh my gosh. And then, um, and, and I know Ryan, you said you, you listened to the episode of when I left teaching, Hmm. um, which is the day I had to go get checked for a concussion because of a student injury. And my boss, while I was sitting at the doctor's office, um, to get checked for a concussion, she texts me saying, Hey, I know you don't know exactly when you're going to be leaving, but do you mind going ahead and typing up your letter of resignation so we can start looking for your position? Oh my God. So, so when I came home that day, I was laying on the couch and, um, Chris came home, my husband, and I was in tears. I had ice on my head, um, and everything, you know, I mean, I was in so much pain too, just from my head injury. And I said, this is what she said. I said, I really want to say that it's today, but I really want to say that my two weeks is now. Can't blame you. And you asked for it. I'll give it to you. So that's what I did. And then, um, she came to me a few days later and said, well, do you think you could still stay? Fuck you. No. Are you kidding me? Like, like I, that day, that morning was the single worst moment in my teaching career ever. I have a walkie talkie and I was calling Mayday and 911 on that walkie talkie for help. No one came. Yeah. I mean, just that of just, and so, I looked at my assistant principal when I knew this kid was enraged and I had told them for months that I was terrified of that kid because he's bigger than me. He yeah. was, every becomes enraged is uncontrollable. He is, he has a mental health issue and we cannot control it. I looked at my boss on the bus because that's where he was at first. She wanted me to take him inside, which I did not think was a good idea. I think we call security now. Get him now. Yeah. Like that's do not bring him to the school with 900 other kids. Um, and I looked at her and I mouthed, follow me. You follow me. She did not. Jeez. And you can't work and with somebody would, like I, that. Like if there's no one that's willing to like go off of your vibe or like read the the room. Yes, like, exactly. Literally, you can't work with yeah, that at all. It's like I can't. You're telling me that you think I'm safe with this kid by myself when I wouldn't have left you with that kid by yourself either. Right. Yeah, it's, I, and later and, that same day, my, bo- my other boss, another principal, because um, I was the assistant principal in the morning, the, the principal was with him later, was, or maybe it was another day or something like that before that. I wouldn't leave her. And she kept telling me, she's like, Mary, you go. And I said, absolutely not. I said, he's dangerous. And I will not leave because you need a witness. And honestly, I wonder, too, like at the point where like we talked about, like when you want to disclose on the podcast versus like leaving teaching and worrying about the backlash mm-hmm. at a certain point, like I've gone off on coworker, like I don't use their name, but like sometimes people have to like, I used to coach with somebody and he used to say, you got to let a motherfucker know. Yeah. In this case, you have to let a motherfucker know. Like they, mm-hmm. they can't be doing this. We've like, had, a few, we've had a few situations I'd say on the, well, I, and none of them have reverberated mm-hmm. back. Like I haven't specifically heard from anyone that's like. I knew it was me that you were talking about, but I can definitely tell you, like, <laughs> let some motherfuckers know I via can the tell podcast. You. I can tell <laughs> like you for if they sure. Listen, they should know it's them. Right, yeah, right. I can 100%. tell you for sure on, on the podcast where I talk about my leaving teaching, my teacher friends from that school, they were like, I can't believe what you said about so-and-so. Like, they all knew yep. who I was talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Oh, it should be yeah, evident. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, and building there are people, there are also people, this is, this is probably been one of the coolest journeys too, is that I inadvertently got myself like into a really cool mom's group. And through doing that, 
a lot of moms who have their kid because of the cost of daycare, going back to that, mm. they leave teaching. Like teaching is a pretty common uh, career track to where a lot of people stop doing it and then they go to be stay-at-home mom. So a lot of people have said, oh, I've listened to your podcast. I've really loved like listening to your stories, listening to Mary B's stories, whatever. And then they hear because they know me personally at that point, like we talk about exactly where Mary and I have come from and they realize they actually worked with some of the same people. Oh wow. Mary and I have worked with yeah, and they they're like, it together. no shit. I had the same run in with so-and-so <laughs> on X, Y, and Z occasion. It's insane. Like it's that's how small too. it's also, it is disconcerting because I remember, I remember when I first started in the profession and then I went and I moved to Vegas and I was kind of like around my second group of people I ever worked with. So I only had two groups of people I ever compared to. And I had both groups in each of them, somebody that said, and, and this is a kind of a good point to lead on because it's, it's a good stopping point for people to think about. I had somebody in each group that said, you know, there are people in the profession that are climbers and they're climbing because they want to climb to okay. that new oh professional God, yeah. precipice. Yes. And then there are people in the profession that are doing it because they're having a good time. They love doing like the event days with the kids. They love doing like X, Y, and Z with the kids. Those are the people that are going to get their backs broken the most because they're yes. busy oh my God, yes. carrying the load of everyone else. And I, and I heard this from two separate people, 2000 miles away from each other. And I thought that's not a coincidence. That's got to be like, a level of philosophy in the, in the profession. And I really think that it is. And I think that's where I'm going to, to leave my piece tonight is that there are people in the profession that are climbing and they want to climb. And if you want to climb with the notion that you're going to come back one day and you're going to pull the kid who was in poverty up to the top of the pay scale, because you know, they're intelligent and you know that they deserve a chance. That's cool. But if you're just climbing to merely hear yourself talk, I don't, I don't, have any patience for oh me yeah I, I can't get on board with people like that i can't even converse for more than two seconds it's it's especially because there's kids that are at the end of the day not getting what they need because of people yeah like mm -hmm. scary yep well i guess as like a on that note like when you guys think about your your disclosing now when it comes to like the nitty-gritty of your podcast who typically has more to drink? Because like sometimes I do solo episodes, so I out drink myself all the time. But when I have a guest, it's usually also me. I also out drink the person. But who's typically, is it Mary or is it Anne? Like who's, who's the person that's this really is, putting no, it down? I, honestly, I've got to be honest and say, like I think we're pretty even Stevens on most episodes. I okay, think, right on. Oh, Chris, uh, Chris wants to chime in, I think. <laughs> What's Chris got to say? I think it's Mary because we usually record here. I don't exactly. have to drive anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So I usually, literally, I drive over. I, I stick to the Bachelor rule, which like the ABC Bachelor, but I don't even watch it. But I know they have a two drink, uh, two drink rule. And like, that's literally what I stick to. And sometimes it's like, I'll have like, uh, sometimes you take a lift over here though. Sometimes oh, there I you do go. take a lift, but it's like, those are the special occasions. Yeah. Those are a little special occasions. <laughs> right. Yeah, those like are the hundredth episode, the 50th yeah, episode. Like we you know, take a lift. Um, so yeah, it is probably me just because we do typically record <laughs> at our house. So, um, since I don't but have if, to drive, if I, take a, if I take a lift, it's me. I will be, I'll own that. If I take a lift, it's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm there was an episode, tonight. there was an episode like a month ago on a Friday, probably a month and a half ago now on a Friday where like, we just let 
caution go to the wind. And I just said to you, I don't know if I can record. <laughs> so uh, I had to stop at one point and say, that was terrible trash. Like, oh, trash I've lost so much audio where I was like, I can't use that 90 minutes right there. Sorry, buddy. And they're like, oh, no. and I was like, that was terrible. We can't have that. Oh, man. Especially if you edit yourself, you're like, wow, I can see where it, the, it was too many <laughs> and too many. Yeah, like, that was terrible. So I don't really want to air that for anyone. Um, I will say I have gotten messages from my college roommate, um, Pam. She's an AP teacher as well. And she has said to me, um, I just listened to the podcast today. How many had you recorded that day by the end of it? She's like, you're super drunk. And I can tell. And right, I was you, guys like, are, you guys are ambitious. You do multiple in a day. I, I can only do like one, maybe two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we try to keep ours like 20 minutes is usually around it. So like we're able to do a few in a row right, um, right. and just keep it that way. And, and, and it definitely helps because um, teachers have a short attention span. I don't know if you oh, know. 100%, like, 100%. So they don't really like uh, super long ones. I also was thinking um, of just like a general commute time. Like so people can definitely listen to it from beginning right. to end yeah. in your typical commute. That was like our initial conversation was like most people commute about 15 to 25 minutes somewhere in there. So yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's my goal. Like we both have like, again, similar niche, similar time period, but yeah. um, for, for both of you, this was seriously, I'm glad we did this. We for yeah. sure when the COVID stuff is over, we'll have to do like an in-studio, like maybe it's oh, or something. Yeah. Totally. Um, we'll come to uh, Chicago. We'll come to 100%. We'll come, 100%. To, we'll come to Chicago because we have no reason not to. We love the Chi-Town. Chi-Town. One of ours is supposed to be in Chicago at the end of May if we're allowed to. So There you go. Yeah. We'll be there at the end orders. of May, beginning of June. So we'll see. That sounds good. Well, yeah. Mary Ann, thank you so much. Everybody that's listening, you can check them out. It is Teachers Who Drink and why that's the important part the emphasis right there uh, anywhere you guys can check out podcasts i'm assuming do you guys have a you guys called it a patreon i like that better do you guys have a patreon they can check out <laughs> no we don't because oh you gotta set like, it up uh, uh, well okay can i just be honest like in the words of wayne and garth i feel like uh we're not worthy we're not worthy like i don't know am i worthy of people's dollars i don't know oh absolutely you just got to make it, it worth so it like scary you guys have koozies too though like for like you're we your do have the koozies so have that's a great con- call yeah it's and it's the best professional development you'll get all week i would oh, like absolutely. to put that in there <laughs> i for sure I've, I've thrown out koozies and business cards at pds they thought i was the catering company it's all good but i still tried it anyway so <laughs> Like, listen to me. This is it. Yeah. We did it at the Red for Ed. We're like, here you go. You want a right. koozie? Give there you go. Out. Oh, yeah. Teachers are the number one people that want to have a drink by the end of the week. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. We appreciate you so much, Ryan. You have Thanks a great Thanks so one. much, Ryan. Oh, you too. Thanks so much. We'll do it again sometime soon. Awesome. Cheers. Bye. And until next week, class dismissed.